Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Louder. Innovation comes in so many forms in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, Louderco. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations. Like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories. Or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our Intro to Artificial Intelligence presentation, or see if your company's even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now, enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. Welcome to this special COVID-19 crisis help episode of the Dallas-Based Innovators Show presented by Louderco. I'm Andrew Louder. This is one of a few different recordings we're putting together to tackle different areas of concern in dealing with the coronavirus crisis that we're in. Today, uh, just for kind of level setting purposes in terms of where we are with this thing, it is uh, March 25th, 2020, when we're recording this. And as you all know, there's a lot of moving parts to this. Um, We just got a new bill signed yesterday, um, providing $2 trillion to the economy, um, trying to bolster that. I know a lot of business leaders are going through uncertain times with their financials, with their operations, with their people, what the future will hold. And so I'm so honored to have on our show um, a past guest of ours, Humera Kassam. She's an executive human resources consultant with Kassam Consulting, former chief human resources officer of Jamba Juice. You may remember her from a previous episode. Uh, so thankful to have her on to be a, a key HR expert that we can lean on during this time. Thank you for joining us, Humer. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. You bet. So in, in this tough time period that we're in, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you're seeing today with regards to, you know, everything HR related, people related, you know, what, in our past conversations, you know, we hit a lot on on culture, you know, strengthening those cultures. We hit on a lot of kind of best practices in HR. You know, what, what are you coming across out there that maybe we can, we can start at a high level and then we'll, we'll get into some more specific questions as we go here. Yeah. You know, it's a great question. Um, I see in a word, uncertainty, right? I I see uncertainty on the part of employees. I see uncertainty on the part of employers. Um, I think for the most part, employers are trying to do the right thing, but in many cases, they're trying to figure out how to even stay open. Um, In uh, other cases, um, their businesses are thriving. Uh, And so, and they're figuring out how to ramp up very quickly. 
Um, so I think that there's a lot going on. And of course, during all of this, both employees and employers are wondering how safe it is to go to work if they don't have the option of working remote, right? And so uh, even for those that that are gainfully employed at this time, it's still uncertain uh, if they're in an exempted workforce that, that, that can go to work, um, whether they should be or not. Right. And so everyone's having to face very tough decisions. So in a word, I would call it uncertainty, Andrew. I think that's a great way to start. Absolutely. Um, Lots of uncertainty. Let's jump into just some questions I had lined up even and kind of in hearing um, from some of my clients and um, friends, colleagues out there, you know, I, I kind of crafted a few questions here that maybe we can go through and hopefully they're, they're beneficial to our, our listeners. Um, from, we'll start from an employee perspective. Now, is there anything they can do to be proactive during this time to preserve their job? You know, it's hard for me even to put that into words that, you know, don't, don't sound insensitive in this time, but is there anything that they could be doing to really be proactive and in, in heading things off here? Yeah, you know, there isn't a magic bullet here. There's no, um, you know, special pill you can take and say, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, gonna be able to preserve my job because I'm doing X in most cases, right? I think it's mm-hmm. a lot of what people are probably already doing right? Um, Being productive, having a good attitude, um, making sure that their work quality is still high given this uncertainty, Uh, trying to learn new new things so that you can be helpful in different areas. You know, your employers are making uh, tough decisions right now. In some cases, some employers are having to make decisions about who to keep and who to let go because the amount of work has just gone down. So if you're an employee that has all of those things, great quality, great productivity, great attitude, um, you know, that that only works in your benefit. I know that that's nothing tangible, but um, it sounds very simple, but it's it's very important, especially in uncertain times. It's sometimes hard to have a bad attitude or, uh, excuse me, hard to have a good attitude um, given the uncertainty. So so I think that it's important to, to remember that. No, that, that's good. That's good. I know um, just in things that I've seen, of course, I mean, the unfortunate layoffs, I think I've seen companies that not only are doing pay cuts across the board on their employees, but we've also seen a lot of executive teams and CEOs uh, either um, taking big pay cuts too, or even the CEOs saying, hey, I'm going to go an extended period of time not being paid. Um, that's something I, I hadn't really seen in past layoffs or past recessions. Is that, had you come across anything like that in the past where CEOs are so open and willing and and perhaps even empathetic to degree to where even they're taking big cuts? Yeah, I don't think it's a novel concept. I think we've just never seen it at the magnitude that it's at today. Yeah. Um, back in the day when I worked for Delta Airlines, um, this was post 9-11, pre-Delta's bankruptcy. Again, um, the, the travel industry was still recovering from 9-11, um, and the company was trying to come up with creative ways of preventing us from going into bankruptcy. And so every employee across the board took a 10% pay cut. 
Um, the executives did something similar. Um, I, so, yes, it, it has happened uh, in history, but mm-hmm. I think it's more industry-specific, um, company-specific. I, I think the thing that's bolstering it right now is that there's so many industries that are impacted and affected that you're just seeing it at a grander mm-hmm. magnitude and a grander scale. Yeah. yeah, and I know the one the word you used earlier was uncertainty. Another word that yeah, I've seen thrown around a lot right now is unprecedented. You know, for people that have never gone through something like this, have never gone through a layoff, um, how does one go about filing for unemployment? You know, what What is that process like? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, if you've never filed for unemployment or if it's not something you work with day to day, it's not something that you know a lot about. The good news is, is that um, it is a pretty automated process. First of all, unemployment is administered on a state level. Um, and so you'll want to go to your state's unemployment website uh, to find the particulars. Andrew, since you and I are both in Texas, I'm going to focus a little bit on uh, the TWC or the Texas Workforce Commission. That's the oh, agency. That's in, yeah, that's the agency in Texas that administers unemployment. And so if somebody is looking to get unemployment, um, they should do so by uh, starting an application online. So it's really easy to do. You just go to twc.texas.gov and uh, you can navigate from there. Um, to be eligible for, for uh, unemployment benefits, you need to have gotten unemployed or had a reduction in hours through no fault of your own. So examples could include a layoff a reduction in hours, uh, a reduction in wages, and all of those have to be not related to misconduct. So anything we're talking about as it relates to COVID-19, it, it would be applicable. Um, and of course, you, you can't have been fired for any misconduct reasons. Um, and there's some particulars, and it could depend on, on situations. Some of the things that you'll want to have ready and available before you go start your application. So you're going to want your last employer's business name and address. You're going to want your first and last days of employment. Um, You're going to want to have the number of hours that you worked uh, and the pay rate if you worked even through this this current week that you're in. So if you're filing on a Wednesday and you worked through Tuesday, you'll want to have all that information. Uh, you'll want to have information regarding your normal wage, so whether that's salary, whether that's hourly, whatever that 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 may be. Um, the other thing that you'll want, and this is something that most people uh, find interesting, if you're not a U.S. citizen but you're eligible to work in the United States, um, then you're eligible for unemployment, and so you'll need your alien registration number. Now, I will caveat and say. Um, I'm not an immigration attorney, and I do mm-hmm. believe there might be some impact if somebody is trying to seek citizenship. Um, and so I would just say, if you're not a U.S. citizen and you're seeking unemployment, consult with your immigration attorney before you do so, just to make sure you're aware of any impact it might have down down this, down line. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I think a lot of people out there just don't think about that. You know, it's certainly something that uh, should be top of mind and um, getting that, all kinds of protection that they may need to go through this process. Um, shifting gears a bit to the employer perspective, 
what are things within the legal rights um, for these companies to do before needing to let go of people? You know, where I'm going with this is for companies that maybe are strapped for cash right now. And the last thing they want to do, of course, is just get rid of great people. What are some of the steps they can do to hold on as long as they can? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, first of all, I'm just going to remind all of your listeners that Texas is an at-will state. What that means is that an employer or an employee can terminate the working relationship at any time for any reason, as long as it's not an illegal reason. And so those illegal reasons include things like race or gender or age or national origin. Um, but, uh, you know, just a reminder that Texas is an at-will state. Um, some ideas to think about before a layoff. Um, there mm-hmm. is, you know, the ability to reduce hours if you have reduced work, right? Um, for, for somebody that's on an hourly wage, that's easier to do. For somebody that's salaried, it's, it's you know, doing something uh, by reducing their salary. Uh, whatever the employer chooses to do, it's a good idea. It's a good best practice to put it in writing to the employee. Um, you know, letting them letting them know that you know you're wanting to reduce hours for this reason. Um, if it's a typical part of your work uh, that that your hours fluctuate, you, you might not need to do that. It's not a, it's not a requirement. It's just a best practice. Um, something that I recently came across is a shared work program. Again, it's on the TWC unemployment website. There's more information about it there. But I'm going to tell your listeners a little bit about it because it falls directly under this this idea of reducing um, hours worked. So the shared work program provides Texas employers with an alternative to layoff. Um, TWC developed this voluntary program to help Texas employers and employees withstand a slowdown in business like so many of our employers are going through right now. Uh, The gist of it is that it it allows employers to supplement their employees' wages lost because of reduced work hours with partial unemployment benefits. Um, It also Mm -hmm. reduces normal work weekly work hours for employees in an effective unit by at least 10%, but not more than 40%. And the reduction must affect at least 10% of the employees in that unit. So, again, there's a lot of specifics uh, about it that are there on the TWC website. So, I would encourage employers to go read a little bit more about that. A second option would be to reduce wages. Um, again, no one wants to do that um, unless somebody's on a contract. If you have a contract with an employee, um, then then you have to renegotiate the contract. But mm-hmm. in most cases, employees are at will. Um, and and here's another place where again, I recommend do it in writing. Um, no employee wants to take a pay cut, right? Oh, um, yeah. But if the employee and employer, um, you know, both understand that this is what we're doing to keep the doors open, um, I think that you'll see more cooperation, right? Uh, Again, put it in writing. If the employee at the end of the day says, no, I'm not okay with the reduced hour, then at the end of the day, your, your alternative as an employer is to say, okay, well, I'm offering you this reduced pay or the alternative is you're resigning, right? Right. Um, Again, that doesn't feel good. um, But again, these are alternatives to a layoff. Right. Right. 
And, and just for terminology's sake, I know we've I've heard you know furlough versus firing. You know what's um, at what point should an employer consider furloughing, and and what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so a furlough is a temporary reduction in hours. So if an employer uh, is anticipating okay. that uh, you're going to be able to bring your employees back to the hours that they were working previously, a furlough is something they might consider. Um, this can be in the form of reduction of hours uh, on a weekly basis. I have seen some employers do something where they only need half their workforce, and so they have group A of employees working for two weeks, and then the following two weeks, they're going to be on furlough, and then group B, is they flip-flop with group B, right? There's different ways to do a furlough. Um, If you're going to consider a furlough, I would say do the best to communicate with your employees, because the more you can communicate with your employees and tell them what you're doing, the better they're going to be able to go seek unemployment benefits for that period of time that they're furloughed um, and make alternate arrangements right? Um, versus the, the termination of firing is, is truly just terminating the employment relationship altogether. Got it. Got it. And so my, my thought, my head always kind of jumped to, like, is there a way to put these employees into some kind of unpaid leave for I don't know, a week, two weeks, but it sounds like that's basically a, what a furlough offers, right? Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Got it. So then, I've always wondered this too, like what if you've got, if, if as an employee, you've taken on that pay cut, you know, and let's be optimistic here and say things return back to normal in the coming couple, you know, few months and the economic engine is churning again, everything's moving in the right direction. You know, at what point can that employee go to their employer and say, hey, let's, let's bring that salary back up to normal, you know, back up to where it was pre-coronavirus crisis. Um, is that something they need to be proactive about, or is that something the employers are, are need to keep in mind and, and act quickly on? Yeah, so at the end of the day, there's no requirement um, to pay your employee any particular wage except minimum wage, right? Even when an employer is considering a reduction in salary um, or a reduction in hourly wage, they need to still keep in mind what um, minimum wage is. I should have said that earlier. But um, there is no requirement to bring the wages back up. Um, But that being said, employers need to do the right thing here. If if you're paying uh, employees lower than what the market bears, eventually employees are going to walk with their feet, right? And so I would encourage employers to do the right thing, um, stay in communication with your employees, be transparent, help them understand uh, what's going on. And even if it's in steps, get them back to where, where they were pre-COVID-19. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. It's, um kind of getting back into kind of the actual labor market and analyzing those types of salaries and things. That's a, that's a good call out there. Um, okay, so if we were to dive into then the Families First Coronavirus Response Act that was signed just, I think, a week or two ago, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'd say, you know, if, if somebody really wanted to get a ton of details, they could likely Google it and find some good info there. But 
you know, there's, there are things that have come up that just kind of raised some questions for me. You know, it's first off this concept of mandatory paid sick time. You know, it's um, for me anyway, it's the first I've, I've heard of that. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is part of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. Um, I will say, first of all, that act has many, many um, points in it. Um, today, I'd like to talk about two of them, one of them being the mandatory paid sick leave and the other one being yeah. extended uh, FMLA. And mm -hmm. I say that because these are the two that are directly related to the employer-employee relationship. So under the paid sick leave, this applies to employers that employ less than 500. So if you have one to 499 employees, this applies mm -hmm. to you. If you're an employer that employs more than 500 people, you can tune out. This this doesn't apply to you. Um, I, I and and I couldn't I couldn't tell you why it was written this way. There's a lot of speculation about it, but I have no idea why this is only for uh, these employers. But this paid sick leave um, it will be required. Employers are required to provide full time employees with two weeks or 80 hours of paid sick leave. Um, those employers that have part-time employees, you're not off the hook. I'll talk about it in just a second. But the 80 hours specifically require, uh, it talks about full-time employees. Um, the reasons for sick time, it's got to be one of uh, a few reasons. It could be to self-isolate because you've been diagnosed with COVID-19. It could be to comply with a recommendation or an order to quarantine by a medical provider. Um, it could be to obtain a medical diagnosis or care um, if the employee is experiencing symptoms. Okay, all three of those that I just mentioned, those are all related to the employee. Um, mm -hmm. These next couple are related to family members. So you can also get this paid sick leave to care for a family member who's self-isolating due to a diagnosis of coronavirus. Um, you can also care for a family member that's experiencing symptoms and again, has obtained a medical diagnosis to quarantine. Um, and finally, and this is the one that I think uh, applies to so many of us today, to care for a child whose school was closed. Mm -hmm. So again, that has nothing to do with being sick, but um, to care for a child whose school has been closed. So the reason why I differentiated between uh, the, the few reasons that were related to the employee and the few reasons that were related to the family is because the pay structure is different. So employees, employers must compensate the employees for paid sick time that they take at a regular rate of pay if the employee is taking time for themselves. There is a cap on that. The cap is $511 per day. So that's maximum. So if the employee is typically paid $1,000 a day, the maximum exposure is $511. If the employee is typically paid $100 a day, then $100 is the maximum exposure there. Um, now, if the employee is taking time off to care for a family member, they're entitled to two-thirds of their pay, and the cap is 200 So let's take that same example. So if the employee is typically paid $1,000 a day, they're now capped at 200. If the employee is pay, uh, excuse me, two thirds of uh, their pay would have been uh, $666, but they're capped at 200. Um, if the employee is normally paid $100 a day, then two thirds of that is $66. 
So that's how it would, those caps uh, play into this. Um, here's something that's really important. This sleep leave is available immediately for use by employees regardless of length of employment. So remember, this, this law is going to, has already been passed. It's been signed into law. It doesn't go into effect until April 1st. Um, originally, the law said April 2nd. There was a clarification that came out yesterday that said um, they're going to make this effective April 1st, which I actually think is smart because it's just the start of a quarter for, for tax purposes. Yeah, it's um, that much easier, right? Yeah, it's just easier. Um, but the Department of Labor is still yet to come out with administrative guidelines on how to administer this. And that's going to come in, uh, that's going to be important uh, when I talk about uh, the next couple of th things. Um, before I do, I want to jump in and say part-time employees. I want to come back to that. Um, mm -hmm. For those that employ part-time employees, they are entitled to take the number of hours of paid sick time equal to the number of hours they would work on average in a two-week period. So mm -hmm. an employer is required to go back and look at the last six months and say, on, on average, how much did this employee work? And if on average they work 20 hours a week, then the employer is required to pay the employee 20 plus 20 hours for, for that two-week period of time. Um, so now let me get into a few things that we don't have total answers to just yet. Um, mm -hmm. So there's some speculation that there's going to be some type of exemption for employers that have less than 50 employees. Um, again, the Department of Labor has not come back yet with specifics on how this exemption will work or if they will even honor this exemption. Uh, this is one of those points that we're really closely watching and looking out for. Um, the thing that I think is really important that I need to say, you know, loud and clear to employers that are freaking out right now is that this paid sick leave is reimbursed by the government. Um, mm. It's done through tax credits uh, to offset the employer's Social Security tax requirements. So it's the employer side of FICA. Um, more information is forthcoming on the process of that. Um, but I have been trying to do a lot of reading and a lot of listening on on this particular matter, I have heard that the reimbursement um, should come back within two weeks of, of filing. Um, so at the end of the day, okay. this isn't money out of the employer's pocket, especially for these small business owners, but it is a cash flow issue, right? I mean, you are fronting the money, even though you would get it back. Yeah. If you're filing taxes quarterly um, and asking for the reimbursement, even if it comes back in two weeks, you, you fronted this, this money um, for the quarter, right? So yeah. the good news is the government is is paying for this. The bad news is um, that it, it might cause a bit of a cash strain on you. But at the end of the day, I think it's amazing that the government has come up with this benefit. So it's it's working to to keep people, um, you know, where where they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Good safety net. Yeah. And and you had mentioned too um, expanded FMLA. Can you talk to yeah. That a bit? yeah, so let me talk about that a little bit as well. Um, this bill also impacts people that have less than 500 employees, employers that have less than 500 employees. So again, if you're a large employer, you can tune out now. Um, this, <laughs> it gives, it gives uh, employees the right to take up to 12 weeks of job protective leave under FMLA. 
Um, to be eligible for this particular leave, you do have to be employed for 30 days. And remember, that's different than normal FMLA. Normal FMLA, you have to be employed for 12 months. So this is greatly expanding FMLA. Um, but it has to be for one of the following emergency reasons. Number one, to adhere to the requirements of a medical provider to quarantine due to exposure. Okay. Uh, number two, to care for a family member of who is adhering to medical recommendation to quarantine, okay? Or three, again, just like paid sick leave, to care for a child of an employee whose uh, school has been closed. Yeah. Okay? So here's how the pay structure works um, for this FMLA. The, remember, it's eligible for 12 weeks. So, the first two weeks of the leave is unpaid. You can use alternative pay methods for the first two weeks. So if an employer offers sick time, PTO time, vacation time, whatever, whatever the employer currently offers, um, those can be used and the employer cannot mandate that an employee use them. Also, that paid sick leave that I just talked about can also be used for those first two weeks. Right. The rest of the time, the, ten, the, the remaining 10 weeks, assuming right, the sickness lasts for that long or the school is closed for that long, um, requ requires the employer to pay the employee no less than two-thirds of the employer's usual pay capped at $200 a day. So very similar math to what we saw in the paid leave, but a, this whole leave is at two-thirds. There isn't a separate amount for employee versus family member. So it is capped at $200 a day. Got this it. paid job protection leave is also reimbursable through tax credits, same way that we talked about, um, same, same things that we're waiting for guidance on uh, in terms of, you know, how does an employer uh, file for an exemption? Can an employer file for an exemption if they're less than 50? Um, there are certain healthcare fields that are already exempted. Um, and, and just the administrative process of how to get the reimbursement. Those are all TBD. Mm -hmm. Got it. And you, you may have just mentioned this. Um, however, for, from that, from the employer's standpoint, you mentioned, you know, they'll be reimbursed via tax credit. Is, do, are you aware if it's a, a hundred percent reimbursement? Is it just partial? I know you kind of mentioned something having to do with the social security side of things. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a great question. yeah, as I understand it, it is 100% reimbursement. And so if your normal taxes that you pay are $8,000 and you have paid out $5,000 in terms of one of these two leads, then your tax liability is only going to be $3,000. Let's flip that. Let's say you've paid out $8,000 in leave benefits and your normal tax liability is 5,000. I understand it that you will receive a check for the balance of the 3,000. Yeah, that's, that, I mean, unprecedented, absolutely. It's, um, it's awfully um, helpful in this time to provide some certainty in the, the minds of these business owners. Um, yeah, you mentioned to this question's come up to me uh, by a few of my different clients, but to care, you mentioned in the uh, one of the um, the criteria 
to fall within mm-hmm. this emergency FMLA, that you'd be caring for a family member who was either, is either required or recommended to quarantine. Um, does that need to be in some kind of written form from a doctor? Does that just, I mean, does a voluntary quarantine fall within that? And maybe that's the gray area we're just not sure of, but um, that's something I've, I've gotten a question on a few times now. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I was talking to an employment attorney friend of mine last night. Again, everyone's just trying to become really knowledgeable about this. And right. I think it's perfectly appropriate to ask for a doctor's note. It does need to be under medical guidance whether it's a recommendation or a requirement, it needs to be under medical guidance. Even if the doctor says, I recommend you quarantine, um, I think it's perfectly acceptable to ask for a doctor's note at times like this. Um, Be flexible. Give them a little time to get it, right, especially with all of these stay-at-home orders and things like that. Doctor's offices have um, alternative times that they're open. A lot of them are doing telemedicine, Um, you know, be be thoughtful about, you know, if an employee is really trying to do the right thing and trying to get the documentation, be a little bit flexible about um, give them a little time to get you the documentation. But I think it's acceptable to ask for documentation. Got it. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I'm sure there's going to be more to come here in the coming weeks and months, Numera. I'm not sure really how all this is going to pan out. I wish I had a crystal ball in front of me. Um, you know, I'll be curious. You mentioned your, that your employment attorney friend. Uh, my mind jumps to like how you know, will the future then look like a lot of, um, I guess, a, a big spike in employee claims, um, whether lawsuits or whatnot, given what's going on here. But are, have you been able to see if there's any sort of immunity or protection from companies as they've been trying to navigate this? Or again, is that just one of those things that'll just come up as we go? You know, if I look at um, past precedent, there's usually um, some type of grace period, right? Uh, Dallas mm-hmm. passed the paid sick leave act sometime, oh, I don't know, fourth quarter of 2019. Don't quote me on that date, but it was, yeah. it was in 2019. Um, but while it was in effect, there was a grace period where it wasn't going to be enforced until April of 2020. And so it gave employers time to comply. Now, the whole, this whole bill is compressed in timeline. So if there is a grace period, it's going to be much shorter than what I just described, right? Um, maybe, a, may, maybe a month if there is any type of grace period at all before enforcement starts taking place. But, um, Again, that's speculation on my part. I'm just using, you know, past precedent right, to kind yeah. of give you my educated guess on that. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, Himera, I've, I've exhausted all my questions. Any last um, parting thoughts on your end before we wrap up? Yeah, you know, I am encouraging friends, family, coworkers, myself um, to use any downtime that they have in these unprecedented times to really stay positive, focus on how you take this and turn it into um, opportunity. An opportunity can be professional. It can be personal. Um, I will share with you on a personal note, uh, my daughter is 10. You guys have heard me talk about her in the last podcast. she was just never really interested in riding a bike. And so at 10 years old, she had never gotten off training wheels. And I will tell you within the first five days of being home, 
that girl is not only not on training wheels anymore, but is like racing off on the streets and I have to keep up with her. But it's amazing. We have this new family bonding tradition where we're going on bike rides multiple times a day. Um, while while we're, you know, learning at home now, that's recess is a bike ride. Um, right, and it's yeah. amazing something that that she just wasn't interested in doing and so those are those are minor things that i i am trying to focus on how how positive that was additionally professionally right use this time to upskill to reskill i think it's really important that we be thoughtful about what is this going to look like on the back end where are the jobs going to be what industries are they going to be in how can i get knowledgeable in that industry how can i take this time to you know, do a new kind of networking, which is all, you know, online and on video chat, you know, what can I do to stay engaged and stay active? Um, So I guess that message is just all about being positive and being proactive, be it personally or be it professionally. Those are wonderful pieces of advice. I know um, in times like this, I know I've kind of lost sight of that. I've had to kind of remind myself that, hey, there's absolutely great opportunity out of this. So to hear that uh, from you is a, a really great reminder um, to do those things. So thank you so much. Sorry, no, Andrew, we all need to be reminded. I, I was <laughs> having one of those days a couple days ago, and my husband, you know, had to remind me. And so we all have to be there for each other and remind each other that, you know, we're allowed to have bad days. Um, and then to get off our soapbox and to focus on the podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Humera, you're an exceptional trusted advisor for so many um, CEOs, executives out there. Uh, what's what's a good way to get a hold of you if one of uh, somebody needs to chat through more details around some of the things going on out there? Yeah, uh, I'll give you my email address. It's Humera at CassimConsulting.com. So it's H-U-M-E-R-A at K-A-S-S. EMconsulting.com. That's awesome. I'll, I'll include that in the show notes here as well. But uh, Humer, I can't thank you enough for coming on this show, especially uh, with everything going on. Um, you know, your your calendar must be full uh, right now with everything happening. And so I'm um, so gracious to you for coming on and sharing your wisdom with, with us and our, our listeners. Uh, hopefully the next time you're on, it's under more positive circumstances. I hope so too, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. I'm really happy to help. I'm a small business owner myself. I get it. Um, anyone that has questions, I'm more than happy to answer answer them to the best of my ability. Wonderful. Thanks again. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this special uh, coronavirus crisis edition of the Dallas-based Innovators Podcast with uh, Louder Co. I'm Andrew Louder, signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit Louderco at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.